What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Sideline View Podcast, the official NBA podcast of the TalkCast Network. I appreciate each and every one of you who's tuned in right now because we've got important stuff to talk about. We've got the draft coming up tomorrow night, and we've, we've even had more movement in the NBA almost as we speak. Woke up this morning, saw Mike Conley got dealt to the Jazz. I think that makes them immediately better. Great trade by them. But we'll get more into that kind of stuff once the draft is out of the way. And that will really help shake things out a little bit. Right now, there's so many endless possibilities of how teams could look next year in terms of do they trade picks, do they draft a player, where, where are people going to go in free agency. I mean, there's almost so much going on that it's impossible to talk about and, and grasp it all. So that'll be much easier to talk about once the draft is out of the way. So that's what we're going to talk about today as we have the draft coming up tomorrow. So let's head in to the consensus number one overall pick to kick it off, Zion Williamson. Won't say too much about him because ESPN does that enough. So I believe it was Jimmer Range. I'm not 100% positive. That's a guy on uh, YouTube. has some really good basketball videos. So you guys should uh, check him out. I believe it was him who made these uh, comparisons of who Zion could look like in the NBA. And so unfortunately, I didn't come up with these two players. He did. I am stealing off of him. But uh, I really do like the comparisons. Uh, Zion really looks like a Larry Johnson or Charles Barkley in the NBA. And for a lot of people and teams, it's kind of a sigh of relief that, oh, wait, there are players who have looked like Zion in the NBA before and have been really, really good. Because the whole, like, if anybody has any nervousness about him, they're wondering, has there ever been a player built like that who's succeed in the NBA? And yes, there have been. Larry Johnson, undersized kind of big man, just an absolute tank, goes right through people, athlete, um, first overall pick, had four or five really good years in the league. Um, he never really progressed. He kind of came into the league as what he was and then and stayed at that level. Um, eventually, injuries kind of slowed him down. And then you got Charles Barkley. Everybody knows about him. All-time great. The round mound of rebound. And so that's two really good players you can see Zion easily turning into a, a player of their caliber. Um, so in terms of negatives of can he fit in in the NBA? I don't see any negatives with that. 280 pounds is 280 pounds in college and in the NBA. The weight doesn't change. He's unmovable. He's a freight train. He's a tank. That's not going to change. I mean, he's, he's going to be going up against bigger and stronger guys, but he will be just as big and strong as he was when he was in college. So I don't see any negatives with that. The only negatives I see are basically... Um, it's kind of just a price you pay for what you get with him. And that is injuries because he plays so hard. And that's what I love about him. I'm not a big, like hype beast kind of guy. Once the media is like taking a player and like that, that's the media's baby. Now I, I don't, I'm not a big, like personal fan of guys like that because then it's just like, okay, then you belong to the media. The, the mainstream fans love you. I like the underrated guys, but of course, Zion is the media's baby and has been for quite a while, uh, but I love him still because of how hard he plays. He had his injury in college. A ton of people today and just sit out the rest of the year. Why come back? Why risk this and that in the third? He wanted to be there with his teammates. He wanted to be there for him, and he just loves basketball. He wanted to play the game that he loves, and so I have nothing but respect for that. So 
as a, as a result of how hard he plays. Injuries, we already saw a little bit in college. I think that will be um, a possible downside to, uh, to what we get from him. Because a player he reminds me of in terms of how hard he hits the floor is a young D-Wade. And we saw Wade played with injuries basically his whole career. I mean, his whole career, he basically played 60 games a year for 15 or 16 years. And so hopefully that's not the case with Zion. But he hits the floor so hard. I mean, he makes the whole gym rattle when he hits the ground. And so it's, it's just the price you pay. You get that type of energy and motor that he brings. You might get some injuries along the way. That's my only concern. But moving on from him, getting into John Morant next up. 25 points, 10 assists. He was insane in college. I'm a huge John Morant fan. I think he's going to have no learning curve in the NBA. I mean, if we want to talk negatives, I have nothing to tell you. I think he's going to step in. He's going to be a really good point guard from day one. He's going to make teammates better. And he's such an elite scorer, but he's not a shot chucker. He doesn't force things. He just takes what the defense gives him. And so I really really love his game. I think he could improve his three-point shot. He's not a bad shooter by any means. And most people don't really bring that up when they talk possible negatives with him I don't see his jumper that he has right now translating immediately to the NBA I think he needs to improve that a bit but that's a very 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 small negative I'm being nitpicky with that I think he's going to be awesome uh he's very comparable to uh uh De'Aaron Fox uh John Wall even uh, Russell Westbrook to an extent. All those guys are high volume scorers, but also high volume assist makers. And so I see a lot of similarities between him and those guys. There's plenty plenty of players who play the, t- the type of game he does that succeed in the NBA to have no worries that he's gonna step in. He's gonna be great. And if you're worried that, oh, he was a sophomore coming out, that just shows how, much he, how, how hard he worked. Because he wasn't doing this his freshman year. He started doing it his sophomore year the people who get scared off by oh he's a year older he's a sophomore that's ridiculous it's one year we talk about NBA players all the time we'll we'll say oh this guy he's only 24 he can get so much better well then why do we go to the NBA draft and then say oh this guy's 21 he's ancient he can't get any better it's it's ridiculous we'll look at the NBA draft and oh that guy's 19 he has all the potential in the world overlook all his weaknesses he's 19 this guy oh 21 yeah He's too old. Too, he, he is what he is at this point. But then we get to the NBA and it's like, oh, this guy's only 24, man. He could be so, so good in a few years. And now most people aren't saying this about John Morant. I'm kind of just ranting about my uh, my uh, gripes I have with, with NBA draft talk in general. But I'm just saying he really improved sophomore year. And I appreciate that about him, about how much work he put in, obviously, to get to where he is right now. Getting into the number third overall pick. Um, yeah, and number one and two pretty much locked up, especially with Mike Conley being dealt now. John Murray will definitely be number two. RJ Barrett, number three overall pick. I think I, there's more talk coming right now that the Knicks could trade the pick or they're looking at Darius Garland as well. But Darius Garland makes no sense for them to draft. I don't know why that's even being reported because they have Dan Smith Jr. So we're going to ignore that. R.J. Barrett will be the number three overall pick. And I'm not a big R.J. Barrett fan. I got to be honest. 
I can't give you a whole lot of reasons why I'm not. I can tell you the things other people will tell you. Tunnel vision, his shot selection, that stat that people started floating around on Twitter about how in the last like two minutes of close games, he took like a million shots and Zion took like two and RJ missed like all of them, made like one. And like, so he's like not good in uh, crunch time either. And also like his decision-making of, okay, should I be shooting these or should I give it to Zion who can get an easy shot at the rim every single time? Like he's not the greatest decision-maker in the world. But at the same time, I understand. He averaged 23 a game at Duke. That's nuts. Absolutely insane. Um, Doesn't have a very good three-point shot. He shot over, he, this is where I'm, this is a bit worrisome for me. He shot over six threes a game in college. He shot like 30% on them. So he wasn't slowing down because he wasn't hitting any. And he's also a bad free throw shooter. And something I've kind of learned over the years watching some like some scout uh, videos on NBA mock drafts and stuff over the years, something I've noticed uh, some people point out, guys who shoot uh, lower percentages from the free throw line, um, a lot of times that translates into how they shoot the three ball in the NBA. I don't know why it's totally different shots, but for some reason that tends to be a trend. And so with Barrett already shooting a low percentage from three combined with a bad free throw percentage, I don't like his upside as a shooter immediately. He could develop, he's young, he's actually very young, he reclassified. Um, so like he should be a freshman like this year, upcoming year in college. So I do understand that he's really young and already really, really good, but I don't love how he's going to translate to the league. I, a lot of people are saying, oh, when the court opens up, you're really going to see his passing ability. I get he averaged four assists a game in college, along with like 23 points. That's really impressive. Seven boards as well. The stats are all there, but he's going to get buckets. Okay. I'll admit that he's going to be like an 18 to 20 plus point per game score pretty quickly in his career. I'll give you that. He's going to get his buckets, but I don't see him being like this big impactful player on winning that people see. I don't see superstar. I don't see, oh, we build a franchise around this guy. I'm not seeing anything like that. I see a nice complimentary piece who can score. I see a lot of empty calories in his points, that kind of a score, like kind of a volume shooter to get his points. Maybe you'll prove me wrong. I don't know. But at the moment, I'm not real high on RJ Barrett. But I will say, I think he's the right pick for New York because if they picked anybody else with number three, they'd be very upset. The New Yorkers are very easy to upset. Um, so yeah, so he will be the right pick at number three. I see him kind of being... All right, bear, bear with me on this comparison. This is all my own. Um, I see him being a better version of Rodney Hood and Andrew Wiggins. And I'm kind of like drawing those comparisons from weird places. Rodney Hood, I'm kind of comparing him to him. A lot of, a lot of it's because he's a lefty. They're both lefties. And so they kind of look the same when they drive and when they shoot. Like They kind of look the same when they play. Um, and Rodney Hood's like a good volume scorer but he's not like, he's kind of an empty calorie kind of score. Like the one half season he played with Utah where he got like 17 a game, he was shooting like 41% from the field. And so no one was really all that impressed with it. I kind of see RJ Barrett being a little bit like that. And it'll look kind of similar when he's getting those same type of numbers 
because he's shooting left-handed like Rodney Hood. So there's my kind of Rodney Hood-esque kind of player that I see with him. But I say better Rodney Hood because he's a better playmaker. He's bigger and stronger. He's getting more rebounds and stuff like that. And then Wiggins because, again, empty calorie score, high-volume shooter to get his points. But, again, he's a better playmaker than Wiggins. And, and where I kind of draw the weird comparison with Wiggins, they're both Canadian. So... I told you, I gave you a fair warning. Bear with me on these comparisons. Those aren't the two best you're going to hear today. Um, but yeah, I see RJ being a better version of... If you combine Rodney Hood and Andrew Wiggins and make them one person and then give them a little like upgrade on their playmaking, and then you have RJ Barrett, in my opinion. So <laughs> moving on from that, let's go to uh, DeAndre Hunter, number four. I... It's a Pelicans pick. I think they would probably take him. Again, I'm not big into the mock draft. I can't get into the mind of these teams and who they're going to take. But I'll tell you who I would take. I would take DeAndre Hunter number four if I'm the Pelicans. If I don't trade the pick for Bradley Beal or something like that. My first goal would be let's package it and get Bradley Beal. But if we can't do that, I'm going to take DeAndre Hunter. And I'm going to feel really good about taking him. I'm a huge DeAndre Hunter fan. I really, really like his floor and then his ceiling. And I'll explain that. He has a very high floor as a player because he's a really good defender. And I can't stress this to you guys enough. If you can walk into the NBA and be a really good defender from day one, you're already better than over half the league. Flat out. Why is Andre Roberson a starter? Because he can defend. He can't do anything else. Nothing else. He can't make an open three. He can't make an open free throw. He can't hit the rim on an open free throw. He's not a playmaker. All he can do is defend. And yet he, before he got hurt, he was a starter for an NBA playoff team. That's all you need to know about what it takes to be a pretty good player in this league. If you can really defend, you're already better than half the league. DeAndre Hunter is a really good defender. He proved that in college, as well as he didn't just, it wasn't just that he actually did it on the floor, because everybody wants to talk about the measurables. Oh, this guy has great defensive potential because of his measurables. All right, first of all, DeAndre Hunter did it and won like Defensive Player of the Year or something in their conference, but also he has great measurables. He's ridiculously long. He's 6'8". He's, he's got lean muscle. He looks like an NBA player. So right there, that's all I'm going to say about his defense. His defense will be, that's why I love his floor. That, that's, that was the floor part I'm talking about. That's going to cover that. That puts him as already an above average player in the league. Now let's get to the ceiling part that I like. His offensive game, bear with me, it's very Kawhi-ish. And people won't like to hear that right now, especially when Kawhi just won a finals MVP and like could be the best player in the league. But... Kawhi wasn't like that when he first came into the league, and he wasn't playing like that in college. DeAndre Hunter, really, really good three-point shooter, great percentages. I I forget exactly what he shot. He was like 40% or something in college, and only shot two-point-something a game. Like, shot less than three threes a game in college. But he had a really clutch one in the national championship game. Um, He's a big shot maker, and so... Kawhi is a guy like that too. 
great three-point percentage, really good three-point shooter, but doesn't overshoot him. We've got a whole lot of three-point overshooters in the league right now. Everybody's putting him up. People are shooting 30% but putting up six a game like RJ Barrett and like find a different shot then because it's not working for you at that volume. Um, but he's a very smart player. Uh, doesn't doesn't overstep his boundaries, especially at uh, Virginia. He knew his role with the team and everything. So very good three point shooter. Doesn't overshoot the three. Has really good. He has solid handles. He has good moves that if you watched him doing a workout, you're like, yeah, those are really good. I don't know who you're necessarily blowing by in the NBA with those moves. I don't know who you're necessarily gonna fool and like. You're not gonna break any ankles with those moves. That's what you're saying when you watch this guy do his, his, his ball handling moves into a shot. Who does that remind you of? Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi just gets to his spots and he hits the mid-range jumper. DeAndre Hunter just gets to a spot, hits the mid-range jumper. He just does enough of what he needs to do to get the job done. And he gets the job done at a really high level and a really efficient level, which I love. And I mean, you just got to watch him. If, if you don't, if if none of that's making any sense to you, just watch some of his highlights and you will see a lot of Kawhi and how he gets to his spots and the type of shots he makes. I, I see a lot of Kawhi in him. So that's like way high upside. That's like if, if he turned, if he became the greatest player he could possibly be, he could be like Kawhi. I see a really good floor for him. Someone like, I don't know, like Thaddeus Young. Maybe that's not the best guy to compare him to but like a good defender a solid reliable scorer um i think he has a really good floor he's he's going to be an nba starter um i think immediately he can start and if if it takes him a couple years i think he still finds his niche i think i see him as a really good niche guy he's gonna do what he does well enough to fit in somewhere and and secure his secure himself as a starter first and foremost then from there we'll see what he can become but that's my breakdown on DeAndre Hunter. Probably probably my favorite guy in the draft, even though I really like Ja, I really like Zion. Those guys kind of belong to the media. DeAndre Hunter, he's mine. The media is not talking about him the way I am. So that's my guy. <laughs> so my favorite guy in the draft. Looking at number five. All right, again, forget the, uh, the mock draft. I'm just going to kind of go down my list of uh, who I think is best available. Um, probably uh, Darius Garland. I would say he's probably the next best available after that. I didn't know much about him until recently, as did everybody, because he only played five games in college. He was really, really good when he played, though. And he's Trey Young-ish in the sense that he's frail, he's really explosive and quick, and he has a low release on his shot, and he'll pull from really far sometimes. So, I see some Trey Young in his game. Um, I don't think he'll be as good. Not nearly as good, actually. I don't think he's going to be anything crazy in the league. But I do really like his... Uh, I like his potential. I like... I, I can see him. I'm starting to see it. I wasn't quite seeing it at first. The more I've watched on him, the more I've learned. I can see him playing in the NBA, wearing an NBA jersey and going out and having good games most every night for a team. So positives with him I really like his pick and roll game for the most part um and the reason I have to say for the most part is because of a negative I'll talk about later but I really like his game in the pick and roll he's a good passer 
Uh, he can find people in tight windows. He's very good at, uh, he's small, but he'll shield uh, his defender off a lot of times on a pick and roll, get himself an open jumper. He has a very good floater, which will be key for him because he's very frail. He's a thin framed guy. And so he struggles to finish at the rim, especially by length. He really is bothered by length when he gets in there. But if you don't have to get all the way to the hoop to be effective, then it doesn't matter if you can't finish at the rim. He has a really good floater. And I think he'll have to rely on that a lot in the league to, uh, to be effective. But um, yeah, I'm liking his pick and roll game. I like him as a solid passer. And I like his ability to finish without having to get all the way to the rim. He's not real great at drawing fouls either. So either he's going to have to get better at that or he's going to really have to rely on the floater a lot. So we'll see where that takes him. But negatives, obviously, like I've said, his frame is very thin, frail. Um, his defense, he's not going to be a good defender in the league. I'll just, I'll tell you that. He's going to be a very, very bad defender in the league. He's really, he, quick twitch is going to be like, like that. that's probably the best strength of this guy. Quick twitch as crap. He, he, he will speed by anybody. He's really, really quick. But he doesn't act like it whatsoever on defense. There's never a time where, like, he uses his quickness and really gets up in someone and really bothers them and it's just a pest. That's not him. So his defense is sorely lacking. Uh, doesn't use his quickness all that much. Gets blown by a lot. He gets out-muscled a lot, too. Um, so no upside for him on defense honestly it, unless he just changes his whole entire mentality that's a all right that's uh something i've kind of been thinking about with like comparing rj barrett to deandre hunter it's kind of like the expectations you have for them when they get in the league and how they perceive themselves if rj barrett comes in and says yeah i'm going to be a scorer and i'm going to put all my focus into being this really great scorer and then if he's not able to do it he's kind of just nothing as a player Whereas like DeAndre Hunter's not coming in the league saying I'm going to be a scorer and I'm putting all my energy into that. He's he's dispersed a little more of hitting more areas as a player. Um, and so it's like, okay, if I'm not this amazing scorer, I'm not nothing as a player. I'm at least a really good defender and I'll find my niche scoring here and there somehow. And like, it's kind of just what a player plans on being when they come into the league. And so if Garland plans on coming into the league and being Trey Young, I think he's going to fail. If he plans on coming in the league and being a, this really solid starter that can make flashy passes here and there, but a really solid passer, solid scorer when it's available, and decides to be a really good defensive pest, I see a lot of upside for him. But if he's going to be a bad defensive liability like it looks like he's going to be, his offense is going to have to catch up. I mean, he's going to have to be Trey Young on offense to be worth putting him out on the floor for what his defense is going to bring you. So, I don't know. Make a choice, <laughs> Darius Garland. Make a choice. Are you going to be a, a solid offensive player and a pest on defense, or are you going to be a lights-out offensive player so we can live with your bad defense? That's kind of how I see it. Um, but what I was saying also with pick and roll earlier, with what I have to say for the most part, I don't also love his decision-making in a lot of other sense. He'll try and make some fancy ball handling moves, which... I actually hadn't even gotten to yet. He's the best ball handler in the draft, and he'll be one of the best ball handlers in the league once he gets there. He's great, uh, great ball handler. Got to give it to him for that. But he tries to over dribble sometimes. Uh, tries to make fins and passes that aren't quite there. So decision making that can improve. I'll leave his his coaches 
that that's up to them. They can fix fix that for him. Uh, that's not up to me. So those are my thoughts on Garland. Um, moving on to Jared Culver, another guy I wasn't real big on um, until recently. I've been swayed a bit, and that's because of the Karis LeVert comparison. His measurables are very comparable to Karis LeVert, and his game is very very comparable to Karis LeVert. LeVert is a really good kind of do-it-all player without being like a high-volume do-it-all player. Rookie year, uh, good stats and everything. Um, I'll, I'll look them up real quick right here give you an exact idea. But it was like four assists, four rebounds, like 12 points, and like just, just really solid. Yeah, so second year, 12 points, four assists, almost four rebounds. So just... Kind of a nice stat stuffer um, without playing real high volume minutes. And then obviously last year, we saw what he was becoming. Beginning of the year, beginning of the season, looking like an all-star. People were already naming him to the all-star team. Like, oh, this guy going to make his first all-star appearance. He just had a breakout season. Then he had the the bad injury we all know about. Made a return. Um, never quite got up to, to steam when he got back, but he was solid. So still had a solid season, but... If you look at his numbers from this season, it doesn't do justice to what he was doing at the beginning of the year. So I do like that comparison for Culver to be kind of like Karis LeVert, especially since Culver led his team in points, rebounds, and assists at Texas Tech, a team that got to the national championship. So he can do a lot for a team while the team wins a lot of games. So it's not, those aren't empty stats. Like when I talk about empty calories, a lot of shots to get a lot of points, and you're not winning because of it. Culver contributed to real winning while getting his numbers. So I validate those numbers a little more. Um, negatives. I don't see... He's not going to be an elite scorer in the NBA. Um, his last three games of the tournament uh, shot 24.5% from the field while taking a lot of shots per game. Um, I mean, I respect that he took the shots because it, it, you're in the tournament. Like, you, you need to win these games. And he didn't shy away from them. I respect that. That he kept shooting them. Didn't just stop shooting because he wasn't hitting them. I respect that. But 24.5% over three games. That's really, really, really bad. Um, so I I wonder how well he can, how, uh, how effective of a score he can be if a team is honing in on him. And how much of a offensive workload he can carry in the NBA. I don't see him being able to carry that much of an offensive load in the NBA, but I see him being a nice anywhere between what, like 12 to maybe 18 points a game. Could he? I don't know. Maybe he get 18 a game for a season or two, but I see him being, yeah, like in the teens with the scoring. So I see him being that kind of score uh, in the NBA while getting four boards for you, four assists, being a pretty good playmaker. Um, he has the uh, the measurables to be a pretty good defender. So I really like that I think he will be a starter. I, I like that about him, that I think this guy will be a starter for years to come. So I think he's a pretty safe pick, um, but keep your expectations in check if you think you're getting a star. I don't think you're getting quite that. But... I like him a lot better than I did uh, recently. I'm liking him a lot more than, than I did before. So, moving on from him, definitely not the next best available, but we'll, we'll get into him. 
Cam Reddish um, shot terribly in college. He shot under 36%. shot 35 point, point something percent from the field. That's really, really bad. Um, and he was shooting a lot to do it, too. It wasn't like shooting six, seven shots a game, shooting that percentage. Like he's shooting a lot of shots. Um, he's been getting a little hype around him recently because of the draft workouts. And I'm always wary of that. When a guy all of a sudden starts getting hype around him because of how he looks when he's not going against the defense. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, some guys look really good when they're playing playing with themselves they're just it's just them on a court and they're just doing the moves they're told and then they go finish and and dunk it but there's no defender there there's no one around (laughs) they're the only guy on the court so I don't put much stock into how guys look in those kind of drills I want to see you against other players I want to see what you do in real games in a real live action setting and we saw him in a live action setting in college and he wasn't very good so I'm not real big on Cam Reddish he has Ben McLemore written all over him, in my opinion. Sorry if that's disrespectful to him. I get he has a really good frame. He's built. He, he looks like he could be really good. But you ever seen Ben McLemore's workout videos before the draft? He looked really good in those workout videos. Like he, he flies above the rim. He hammers some dunks down. He, he's a really good shooter. He has a nice natural stroke. That's what they're saying about Cam Reddish. Saying all the same things about him. Oh, he just great natural touch. Great shooter. Um, could really do this and that, but look out, look at the athlete he is, the frame. He look, he's built like Ben McLemore. He has a really good shooting stroke like Ben McLemore. Did he do it on the court? No. Is he going to do it in the NBA? No, he's not. So yeah, I, I haven't seen anybody else give him that bad of a rating, honestly, but that's how I feel. I mean, no disrespect to him. I just don't see it happening for him in the NBA. So yeah, moving on from him. We'll get into... Okay, let's go Jackson Hayes next. Um, I don't have a ton to say about him. I actually saw him in high school. Um, I'm from Ohio. He went to uh, Moeller to high school in Ohio. Saw him at the state tournament, and... I mean, he put up some good stats in the in the in the game. I'm, he might have had like a cool twenty and ten or something, some blocks, but he didn't do anything that really impressed me all that much in that game. Um, he was really kind of quiet the whole time until the end. Started getting some dunks as they started to, to get a lead. Um, so I was, I mean, I wasn't all that impressed with him there. And I mean, the last time I saw someone at the state tournament who I wasn't all that impressed with, who had a lot of hype around him, was uh, Jared Sullinger. And, I mean, he turned into an okay NBA player. He was decent for a while, had some solid seasons, but wasn't anything crazy. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe the guys that I see at the state tournament who don't impress me all that much, maybe that means they'll just be okay in the league. And, so I mean, that's what I think Jackson Hayes will be. I think he'll be solid. He has his best comparison I think there is is Clint Capella. Um, I think it'll take a couple years for him to get to that level. Uh I mean, he's not shooting the three or anything. I think eventually he could. Um, I mean, like, he wasn't, like, a bad free throw shooter or anything in college. I think he could get to the point where he's shooting some threes. Um, I mean, the negatives for me is just his upside. I don't see him being anything crazy. But at the same time, the, the only way you can be 
I mean, people get real misconstrued about what the modern NBA center looks like. They're like, oh, they have to be able to shoot threes. They have to be able to shoot threes. No, they don't. The modern NBA center does not have to be able to shoot threes. Like, Rudy Gobert, Clint Capella, Steven Adams. Like, you, why do people say this? That people have to be able to shoot threes to be a modern day five? Like, most of the fives in the NBA today don't shoot threes. But you know what all those guys do? They're all lob threats. You can put them in pick and roll. Your point guard can take a couple dribbles. And as the guy's rolling, you throw it up somewhere around the rim that they can go up and dunk it. That That's what you have to be if you're not going to be able to shoot threes. Be a lob threat and be a rim protector on defense. That That's that's it. <laughs> be able to do those two things and then don't get like totally crossed over when you get switched down to, onto a point guard. Like just don't fall over. <laughs> At least just be there and contest the shot or something. If you can do those two and a half things basically as a five man in today's NBA, then you can be a five. So I think he can do all those things. I think he can be a really good lob threat. He's really athletic. He can go up and get the ball and put down some dunks off lobs. Um, he was a really good shot blocker in college, two blocks a game um, and only 23 minutes per game. He averaged a 10 and five. Um, so I don't see him being any great scorer. He's not really a great rebounder either. I mean, he's, He's not all that tough. I don't mean to like say that in a negative way, but he's not very tough. Like, um, I think I would have seen a little more toughness from him from the state tournament when he's playing against high schoolers. If, if he really was like a nitty gritty guy, he's just going to push people out of the way and go get boards. Only got five rebounds a game in college in 23 minutes. Not all that impressive, but I mean, he's they're, they're, they'll develop him in the NBA. They'll get him stronger and whatnot. But yeah, I see... Best best uh, case scenario, he turns into a Clint Capella-esque player. So, those are my thoughts on him. Let's, uh... <clears throat> no, let's go with uh, a little Kentucky action. Have we talked about a single... We haven't talked about a single Kentucky player yet. When is the last draft where you could go this far into the, the mock draft and not even talk about a Kentucky player? And I don't even have to talk about a Kentucky player next. I mean, there's a bunch of other guys I could talk about, and no one would be like wait, why hasn't he said anything about this guy? Like, that's pretty crazy. So, you know what? Let's just get to the Kentucky guys. Um, not a ton to say about him, but a, a little bit. Um, make sure I just get to everybody. Tyler Hero, shooter. Shooter, shooter, shooter. That's what everybody says. They're not all that right. <laughs> he's, a, he's a really good shooter, but we're really overhyping how good of a shooter he is. People are like, lights out, knocked down, can't leave him open. This guy's just going to tear it up from three in the league. He shot 35.5% in college. I'd like my future dead-eye shooter in the NBA to have shot at least 40% in college because you get a lot of guys who did shoot 40% in college and then they don't shoot very well in the NBA, uh, like Markel Foltz. <laughs> um, so, but that's a totally different story. <laughs> don't get me started on that. Um I, I, if you're going to be a dead-eye shooter in the league, I would like you have, to have shot around 40% in your college career. Um, but, I mean, it's, he still shot a respectable percentage, obviously. That's why they, people are big on him as a shooter. So I don't necessarily see him being some crazy dead-eye shooter, but I see him being a very good one, definitely above average. Um, I like his ability to score without using the three. I would kind of see uh, some Kevin Herter in him, not just because they're both white, but uh, they kind of play similarly. They're both really good three-point shooters, uh, but they can get their points in other ways. 
solid scores, get a few boards for you, get a few assists for you. They're just, they're not going to hurt you when they're on the court. Like, well, if you're the team putting them on the floor, they're not going to hurt you. It doesn't hurt to have them out there. The other team, you're going to hurt them a bit because you're a good player. So I see him being a, a positive player in the NBA, a net positive kind of guy. So, I mean, I would see like crazy elite dead eye shooter, but I see a very, very good shooter in him. So moving on to his teammate, Keldon Johnson, who I played against, I think it was going into freshman, sophomore, going into sophomore year or something like the year after uh, the sophomore season of high school, something like that. We played him in Myrtle Beach. Um, We were only down eight to those guys at halftime. We were playing really well. Eventually, they beat us by 20-something. But we're going to focus on the first half. <laughs> just remember that. We had a real good real good first half against them. But, uh, yeah, he's a real good player. I, I like how strong he is. He's 6'6", but he was listed at, like, 211 pounds in college. And that kind of build, really, it, I, I'm looking at similarities between he and a certain NBA player. And I'm really liking the similarities between the two. And that player, mystery player, would be Bradley Beal. Beal is listed at 6'5", Keldon 6'6". Bradley Beal, I think, is 207 pounds, was listed as. Keldon's 211. So very comparable, but slight edges to Keldon on those. Um, Taking a look at their college careers, um, both weren't like lights-out scorers. uh, Looking at... So Kellen, I think, was like 13 and a half a game. Uh, Bradley Beal, about 15 points per game. Uh, both are high-level rebounders. Um, so really solid scorers in college. Um, both are very good with the ball in their hands. They're crafty. They can get their buckets. And neither was a, like a crazy three-point shooter in college, but both show that they could probably do that in the league. And obviously, Bradley Beal has turned into that in the league. Um, then both high-level rebounders because they're, they're strong. And neither was a real good playmaker in college. But obviously, Bradley Beal developed that in the NBA as he got over five assists per game uh, this most recent season. So I really like... And, and, and remember, Bradley Beal hasn't been the Bradley Beal that we see right now for years and years. It took him quite a while. It, I mean, he came in 14 a game. Nice. 17 a game the next year. All right, this guy's turned into a star. Next year, we'll get 20 a game out of him. Nope, we got 15. Next year, okay, now now that's the time. Now we got 17. Kept getting injured and stuff. And so now we're waiting, like, oh, is this guy ever going to be who we thought he could be? Then all of a sudden, 23 a game, 23, 25 and a half this year. But now he's a really, really good scorer, but it took him some years. I can see Kellen Johnson taking a very similar path, um, not coming in and being a stud right away, but being a very good starter right away. And I think he could develop into a really, really good player, kind of like Bradley Beal. I don't know if he'll be as good, but he'll be pretty close. So I, I, I see a pretty good uh, ceiling for him. Uh, we'll hit on, a, we'll go to uh, Nazir Little, who, right, here's my question mark. I, I have one question mark. Why do you only play 18 minutes per game? If I were an NBA team, I would, that would be the, f- the first person I'd go to if I'm thinking about drafting him. I'm going to Roy Williams. I'm saying, hey, Roy, okay obviously established coach you've been around forever you've won a million games you know what you're doing why did you play this one of your top prospects that you brought in this year why did he only play 18 minutes per game i don't see anybody asking that when they talk about this guy with his 
for being a draft prospect. They want to say, oh, disappointing freshman year for uh, for Nazir Little. Under 10 points per game. Didn't really do much. Well, no, he scored efficiently in his minutes. He only played 18 minutes a game and averaged 10 points. And he shot 48% from the field. He wasn't good from three, shooting 27%. But he scored um, efficiently and effectively in his sample size of minutes. What I need to know is why he only played 18. So I, I'd have to ask Roy Williams about that because I mean, there had to be a reason. He was one of the, I mean, he, I, he might have been the highest ranked um, freshman product that they brought in this year. So for him to only play 18 minutes a game is really concerning. I don't know why that was the case, but I would need to know more about that. I kind of see him being, this is why you come to the sideline view for your draft analysis, because you're not going to get anybody else making these type of comparisons. I see him being a Shabazz Muhammad in the NBA, who is not in the league anymore, but he had a, a decent run, a couple good seasons. He was a nice, instant offense kind of guy who was pretty efficient, actually, in getting his instant offense, but no team wanted to play him very many minutes per game. And... Yeah, so, yeah, I see Nazir Little kind of being more of that in the NBA. Not a ton of minutes for him, but he'll score when he's in there, and that's about it. So, moving on from him. Uh, we got, yeah, I'm not going to be able to get into every one of these guys. I think the last guy I'll do kind of a full breakdown on, to an extent, Colby White. It's weird I just got to him now, because he probably will be, a, he'll definitely be a top eight pick. Um, I'm not seeing ton of upside for him I see solid that's all I see I see a lot of hair and a lot of solid <laughs> he'll be a good NBA point guard a low level starting caliber point guard I don't see any star potential so I don't see any reason to use like a really high pick on him unless like you couldn't trade the pick and you're sitting at number eight and there's no one else to take then sure sure take it but uh <laughs> I don't see anything real crazy coming out of him. Um, yeah, that wasn't actually much of a breakdown on Kobe White, but uh, that's what I have to say about him. Uh, I mean, then, all right, so other guys, other notable guys, you got Bobo, the biggest question mark in the draft. He could be Porzingis, for all we know. I don't know. The guy is super, super talented. Like, he's tall and skinny, like, ridiculously long, and he can really shoot it. So... I don't see any reason why he couldn't be like Porzingis in the league, but at the same time, he could be absolutely nothing whatsoever because he's so skinny. He got he weighed in at like 208 pounds at the combine. The dude's seven two, and he weighs like 10 more pounds than I do. <laughs> like that's insane. Maybe 15, but uh, he, he he doesn't weigh a thing. He's a twig. He's gonna get pushed around a ton in the league, so. You're going to have to use him at the four unless he bulks up because he's not going to be able to hang with the fives and bang in the post. He's going to have to float on the three-point line. Um, injuries will be a huge concern for him. So he's a, the biggest question mark of the draft. He could be an absolute stud. He could be absolutely nothing. He, no one knows. Um, so, yeah, so that that's Bobo. I really like uh, Carson Edwards to be a good late first-round pick. Um, got Taco Fall. I don't think Taco would be very good in the NBA. He, I mean, he, he, he doesn't have it. He's not, he's not quite skilled enough and can't uh, get up and down the floor at the NBA speed. He's pretty good at actually getting up and down the floor, but not by uh, NBA metrics. 
but very interesting story, of course. Um, very underrated, Brian Bowen. Keep an eye on him. I watched him play on TV when he was in high school, like the whole prep circuit and whatnot. Um, he didn't miss in the game I was watching. Like, he did not miss from three. I was like, holy crap, that guy can hoop. Um, he had to sit out his freshman year, though, um, at Louisville because the recruiting scandal and Louisville type things. Um, but uh, everybody's really forgotten about him. He was one of the best players in that in their uh, in that graduating class, and everybody's forgotten about him because he didn't play his freshman year. So, I mean, I haven't seen anything from him that says he won't be pretty good to really good in the NBA. So I could see him being a very very good steal. Um, and very good value for where you'd probably draft him. Um, you got Darius Baisley, another guy who didn't play in college, but that was because he just chose not to because he wanted to work out. Baisley kind of looks like he's not very smart. Sorry. Didn't mean, that's, I mean that with no offense intended, but he doesn't look very smart. I don't see him being all that good. Uh, you got like, I think Ty Jerome would be a nice solid backup point guard good like a uh, spot starter in the NBA Kyle Guy I just wish Kyle Guy was taller I don't think Kyle Guy is going to make it in the league unfortunately if he were six seven, oh yeah he'd be a really really good player but he's a point guard tight and he's not a point guard um, so I see him kind of slipping through through the through the cracks got Romeo Langford um he had a solid year at Indiana. A lot of people call it a disappointing year, but I don't know what they were expecting. I mean, he got like 16 and a half a game. Um, people say he was passive though and uh, didn't shoot well from three, but he was dealing with a nagging uh, finger injury throughout the year. So a lot of question marks about him. I, I do see solid NBA player for him. I, I see him being pretty solid. Um, not bad, but I don't, anything more than solid, I don't know. Um, yeah, Kevin Porter Jr., who I don't, I, I can't give any, anything to you on that. I, I don't know nothing about him, to be honest. Um, I think P.J. Washington will be a very solid player, like good rotation guy in the league because he just, he just plays hard and he's strong and undersized and like he's just built like, he's like a Paul Millsap kind of guy. I don't know if it'll be like the the, the All Star Paul Millsap we saw, but. At least like the Utah Jazz Paul Millsap. I think he could be that for sure. Um, yeah, Brandon Clark, who has a chance to go top 10. And again, this is why you tune into the Sideline View podcast. And that's why if you're still listening this far in, you're pretty dope. And I'm going to reward you because I'm going to give you a great draft analysis. Brandon Clark is going to be like Brandon Wright in the NBA. And you might not even know who Brandon Wright is, but I'll tell you. Um, he was uh, very highly ranked coming out of high school. Um, went pretty high in the draft, I believe eighth overall in the draft, a place where Brandon Clark could find himself getting taken. And uh, he was just like pretty good in the minutes he got, but he never got a ton of minutes. He had some seasons where like per 36 minutes, he'd averaged like 17 and eight. So good, solid. Um, yeah, uh, I, I can see Brandon Clark kind of being like him because he was very, very productive in his season at Gonzaga after transferring there he was very productive I see him being Brandon Wright in the NBA um, the only person on earth who has made that comparison I think um and last but not least keep your eye out for Luca 
Samanic. Luka Samanic. We could have two really good Lukas in the NBA. I know nothing about this guy. I saw like 15 seconds worth of highlights from him. And I was going to like watch some more on him and learn more about him before doing this. But I watched so many draft videos on other guys before doing this pod. I was burnt. I couldn't <laughs> watch more on him. Especially a guy who I knew nothing about and would have to watch even more about to really get a grasp of. So all I'm saying is look out for him. I heard he did really well at the draft combine in our games. Um, really well on day one, so he didn't play on day two, as players do when they play really well and a lot of times get a promise from a team that they'll be taken um, at a certain spot. So I like the, the timing of it. And we could go from having no Lucas in the league to now two really good ones at once. Kind of like uh, like Bogdanovich. That's a last name. But we have two Bogdanoviches all of a sudden couple years ago what's a Bogdanovich now we got two of them that are really good in the league I can see the same thing with Luca. so um yeah just from like the 15 seconds of highlights I saw from him I thought he was pretty good um so yeah keep your eye out for him I will be keeping my eyes peeled for him as well and that's all I've got for you that is the total draft breakdown not a mock draft because I don't really care about those but the uh the draft analysis from yours truly so thank you guys so much for tuning in if you're still listening i'll let you go let you get on with your day stop talking your ear off uh, but thanks again for tuning in to the mock, the mock draft of sorts and make sure to tune in for tomorrow's real draft and then we'll have plenty more to talk about how that shook up and how that will affect free agency that is looming in the near near future So thanks again for tuning in, guys. Have a good day. Peace.